preparing this corporate prayer this morning, I thought, what do I ask God for? And, and I just thought, I don't, I don't want to ask you for anything, God. I just want to praise you. I think sometimes it's just so easy to get lost in words. And during the week, I was so busy talking to God. This, this, rah, 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 rah. And he said, Willie, do you want to hear my thoughts? I could hear it so clearly. And so today, I just want to praise him and I want to use the words of Psalm 105. So let's pray. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on my on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and they will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule through all, throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope and give them their food as they need it. And you give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and he rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. I'll hand over to my good friend Hans. <clears throat> what a joy to be here in your new property and uh, great to see you all. Uh, together, many of you, of course, I know well, and uh, others of you uh, I may not have met before, but it's a great privilege to be in your church. Uh, it's been ICAC inquiries going on this last week uh, about corruption. So uh, I thought I'd better come clean and just say I'm going to do this publicly. I'm going to give uh, Sam a little a thank you for letting me speak in his church this morning. And rather than doing it hidden, here's a slush fund payment to you and your many families on behalf of your gold coins for the, for the senior pastor. You'll see the significance of that in a minute as I start to share. <laughs> I was wondering about how to give it out and how to give a prize to somebody here this morning, but I thought I'd better just get that out of the way quickly. And So for you and your kids, 
and for saying thank you for letting me speak in your church again. Oh, wow, thank you. This, Andrew, thank you so much for your servant heart. How many of you are struggling with a bit of hay fever at the moment? It is affecting me all of a sudden. I was doing pretty well. So if I go across there and get some drink, you'll understand why I'm doing that. <clears throat> so here we go. Uh, this morning I want to share with you about what we are and what we are becoming. And uh, I know your theme this year has been about going deeper. And I just believe that it's really important for us to understand clearly what our foundations for our lives are built upon. Jesus, of course, told the story in Matthew chapter 7 of the wise man and the foolish man and what they were building their lives upon, what their foundations were. And um, this morning, I want you to look at what your foundations are. What are you building your life upon? Is it built just upon what you do for yourself? Is it built upon your own religious response to God? Or is it built upon what also God has done for you? That song that we sang just before was just amazing in some of the thoughts that it shared and quite prophetic to what I want to talk about with you this morning. I want you to look seriously and, and uh, carefully at your own life this morning. What is foundational to your world? Uh, so many people build their lives upon wrong foundations and wonder why things start to crumble. And in the story that Jesus told, he talked about a foolish man who built his house upon sand it seemed like it was structurally okay and everything looked good, but when the rains came and the storms came, and you remember the chorus perhaps from Sunday school as the floods came up and the rains came down, the, the house upon the sand went, and, but the wise man built his house upon the, and the rains came down and the floods came up and the rains, and the house upon the rock stood firm. Now where's your life at this morning? Uh, this morning, you know, one of the great joys about a church like this is that it gets to proclaim how to live your life deeper, how to actually stand strong amidst the storms of life. The reality is stuff happens, and this year has been showing us, everybody, just how that which you thought was firm and secure can be shaken at its very core. And there are some parts of our world that are in a whole other level of pain at the moment. Please pray for a good friend of mine and a, um, one of our CRC uh, church leaders from the church in Geraldton who is still stuck in uh, India. He went there for a three-week mission trip at the end of February and since March has not been able to get out and is still there and they're now saying that he probably won't get home till the end of December. And, you know, that's just... And he's a guy in his early 70s, very fit guy, but nonetheless... Uh, can't lead his church. His wife is looking after the church. They had their 50th wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago, which he was hoping he'd be back for. And, uh, you know, there's lots of people in a whole heap of pain. And yet when I speak to him and speak to his wife and keep in touch with them, uh, you know, there's a foundation to their lives that's standing firm. And there's a whole heap of emotional and uh, it, mental pressures that are around in our community like we've never seen it before. And, and because things are shaking, people's security has been at its very core 
questioned and, and challenged by the loss of jobs, by the financial circumstances, by just going stir-crazy, having to be in lockdown situations. We still don't know what the future is going to really look like. But we do know this. As a church, we've found a foundation that's laid not upon the circumstances of the moment or the situations we find ourselves in. It's built upon the person of Christ. And that's what I want to declare with you this morning. So I want to look, and here comes the analogy of the coins. I want to look at two sides of the coin. If you've got a coin in your pocket, as I do here, I've got a rich, I'm very rich, I've got a 20 cent piece. And, uh, you know, every coin has two sides to it. Uh, one side has uh, got a face. Uh, how many of you ever had a $200 coin? They do exist. Did you know that? There's a $200 Australian coin. It's, only min- it's minted occasionally, and uh, most of us never see it. But, um, you know, so I thought, well, I'll use that one. But there's two sides of the coin, and, and, and what I want to talk about with you this morning is those two sides of our coin of salvation in Christ. One is what our life is now, and the other is about what our life is becoming. A couple of verses to just help us frame this this morning, which talk about us in Christ and Christ in us. In John chapter 14 and verse 20, it says, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And I want to explore that thought with you a bit this morning. What it is to have Christ in us and us being in Christ. Because they speak about our life now and what our life is to become. Uh, In Colossians chapter 3, Paul also takes this theme further. And the whole, uh, uh, you could say, the summary of Pauline's, the Pauline uh, revelations or Paul's teaching to the church are around this concept of what we are now and what we are becoming. What we are in Christ and what we are outworking of Christ in our lives. And he says this, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. So you don't actually exist anymore. Uh, Your life as you knew it is gone and you're now hidden in Christ. From God's perspective as he looks at you this morning, he sees you not as you are, he sees you hidden in Christ. And then he goes on to say later in Colossians 3, put therefore on the new self which is... uh, being renewed in the image of its creator. So here's this tension point that we live in. On the one side, we are hidden and we don't exist on the, at all. And on the other side, we're told to put on and work out our salvation. How does that happen? Well, like a coin has two sides, your experience in God this morning has two sides to it or two outworkings to it. On the one side, it is understanding clearly who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you. Uh, You in him. Let me move on the slide a bit further. You in me, Jesus said. It's what we are. And in an instant, you become transformed and changed by the power of Christ. That happened at the moment of your rebirth. Old things passed away and behold, everything was made new. And when God looks at you now, he doesn't see you as you were. He sees you what you are in Christ. You're hidden in him. That was the expression that Paul just used. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. And yet on the other side, there is I in you, 
Jesus said, On that day you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. In other words, the presence and power of Christ in us is not to leave us as we are. And if we want to go deeper this year, then we need to outwork the the living power of Christ in our lives in a transformational way more and more. And so it's about what we are becoming. It's what we are in time. So in an instant, you become, on the one side of the coin, somebody who's no longer there. Yet on the other side, there's an ongoing working of the Holy Spirit that is to be outworked through the rest of our lives and it becomes the great joy of, of, of Christian living. So I want to ask this morning, where do, you, where do you find yourself spending most of your time? Do you really comprehend and, and grasp who you are in Christ? For most of us, we tend to drift towards the becoming part. We drift towards that which we need to do to try and get right with God. We lose the sense of the balance of the two. And we find that we are looking and living on one side of the coin continually. I want to ask the question this morning of you, have you lost your balance? Are you living on the one side of the coin? It happens very subtly and very easily to all of us. Uh, The Apostle John, as he was addressing the Ephesian church, uh, he saw an imbalance that was there in them. And if you know the book of Revelation, it begins with a whole heap of, of John's addressing of the various churches of the known world that were there. And one of the churches he spoke to was the church of Ephesus. And he gives them a big rap. He tells them how fantastic they are. But then he tells them this one thing. But I've got one thing against you. You have lost your first love. When I think about my first love, it was when I was an eight-year-old and I fell in love with this beautiful girl at a church camp. The only thing was she was a twin. And so I ended up actually falling in love with two women. I don't know what you call that. It was an infatuation that lasted some weeks. But as I recall, my first love was that that's about the first time I can ever remember thinking about somebody else outside of my family and feeling feelings for them. Is that what John's talking about here, about first love, just going back to those first recollections? Or or if we think of it more spiritually, is it the experience of when you first fell in love with Christ? Is that what it's talking about? And many of us think that way. If we could just go back to the way it was at the beginning, it was so amazing when we discovered Christ and for some of you you've got unbelievable testimonies and stories of God's grace in your life for others of you like me as an eight-year-old I was already on the pathway to towards knowing Christ and it was an emerging and developing relationship I'm not sure that I have got a dramatic conversion experience nonetheless the effect of Christ in my life I know has been dramatic And I'm so thankful for that foundation that's been built into my world since a very young age of the presence and power of Christ. So what's first love? What is first love? Is it that euphoria, that feeling, that intensity that you felt when you first came? Is it just emotionally responding to God? Is it about keeping that intimacy with him that you had at the start? 
Or is there something more deep in that concept of first love? John explores this in his letter. And uh, he writes these words. Uh, They're up there on the screen. 1 John 4.19, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. Now this is a side of the coin that we don't think about very much. We think about our love response to God and our worship and everything that we did this morning again is about us trying to uh, express our thankfulness to God. But that last song that we sang talked also about the importance of us understanding Christ's love for us. The whole thing of of the Christian faith that sets it unique to every other religion on the face of this planet is that it's built around the fact of God reaching down to us because we could never do enough to reach up to him. If we want to go deeper tonight, this morning into the things of what God has for us, then we need to rediscover that first love which is based not upon our love for him but his incredible love for us. And do you this morning understand that side of the coin? That is you in Christ. That is based upon no longer you that lives, but it's Christ that lives in you. This morning, have you lost that first love? The understanding of the incredible love that God gave to you. Because when he looks at you, he sees you constantly as his child. As God looks at you, he doesn't change his opinion upon you based upon the way you are and woke up this morning. Your opinion of him might vary upon the basis we woke up this morning. But the the central truth that Paul and John explains here as well, and that the Apostle Paul wrote his letters around, was to try and tell people and to help them understand the side of the coin that was God's incredible love for them, that that was the first love. It never gave, and God never gives up on us. It's what we are in Christ. Many of you know the story of the prodigal son. But maybe it should be better called the story of the loving father. Uh, We focus a lot on the fallenness of the son who, as you remember the story, he squandered his father's inheritance, went off to another country, took his inheritance with him, lived it all up wildly and all sorts of parties and various lifestyles that just caused him to suddenly find himself destitute and living amongst pigs. And while he's down there, at the lowest point of his life, He thinks back to his father's home and he remembers the servants that were there and he said, they were better off than me. Maybe if I go back to my father, I could become a servant and serve in his house. I'd be better off than where I am here. And so he comes back and when he's afar off, the father already sees him and the father's standing there with his arms wide open, ready to welcome him back, not as a servant, but as a son. Because in the father's eyes, he'd never changed. He was always a son. And this morning, no matter where your life goes or whatever happens, once you're a child of God and have accepted him into your life, that love that his 
his love response to you remains constant and sure. That should build such a foundation to our lives. The other son couldn't, couldn't handle this fact, you know, because all of his relationship with his father was built upon his nobleness and upon the things that he was trying to do to, to satisfy his, his father and to show his faithfulness. And here was this wayward son who had done nothing but squander and waste, and yet he's given the party. He's put the, the coat's been put back on him, and he's reinstated to, to the status of a son. What does that tell us about God's view of you? What's the foundation point for your life? What's the first love? It's not what you're doing to reach God. It's about the fact that God first reached down to you. And that's the story of grace. It actually is the the pivot of the Reformation. Uh, The church had become all tied up in their response to God, to the point where they developed all sorts of doctrines based upon works. Uh, Most classic that was around at the time of the beginnings of the Reformation was the doctrine of indulgences, that if you could just give enough gold coins to the church, (laughs) then you might make it into heaven. And the line of Tetzel, who was one of the great proponents of this Uh, of this uh, doctrine of indulgences was that as the coin in the coffer rings the soul out of purgatory springs. Uh, You know, we laugh at that now, but most of the big big cathedrals were built out of the, uh, the mindset, if I could just give to the church, then maybe I can give enough to save myself. It was not much different to the response that's been there since the beginning of time when they when the fall had just happened and they decided they needed to get back to God and they thought they'd build a tower of Babel to somehow reach up to God. And this tower in the Old Testament was built as mankind tried to do things to reach God. And the whole story of the Old Testament basically is of humanity trying to reach up to God through their own efforts and falling short. And the New Testament says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us can do enough to reach up to him. It's the grace of God reaching down to you that is where the first love is anchored. And if you want to go deeper this morning, you need to rediscover and reestablish and build your life upon the foundation, not of what you're doing to be good enough with God, but about what God has done for you. And to know that foundational truth of who you are in Christ. Have you lost the balance and are you living on one side of the coin? This morning, my my heart for you is that you might uh, just live on both sides of the coin. Let me just explore this just a little bit more with you this morning. How do you view yourself? I've been sharing around that already. But, you know, for Paul, it was just so intrinsic to his way that he viewed people, that he viewed them as Christ did. And so when we start the book of Ephesians, which is one of the great books of, of that Paul wrote to try and help people discover who they were in Christ, it starts off in Ephesians 1. Um, I, the apostle of Christ, Paul says... 
writing to you. He says, the saints in Ephesus. And that notion of sainthood was something that he used to describe was with a, a, the term for what we now call Christians. And Christians were never used, or that term was never used through the time of Paul. They were people of the way, and they were, though, in the collective sense, they were described by Paul continually as saints. Now, we have a notion of sainthood that's developed now that is sort of along the lines of beatification and canonization, where only the elite, the very creme de la creme of the Christian faith, those who've shown amazing miracles and good works, they're the ones who become saints so when I look at you this morning are you a saint or are you a sinner <laughs> you see in, in most of our mindsets there's a profound awareness of our own inadequacy there's a profound sense of our own sin and our own feelings of, of not being good enough and yet, the, if we want to go deeper, we need to live in the side of the coin as well that says, I see you as my child, and I'm standing with my arms open towards you, welcoming you and restoring you back to the status that you should have always had from the start. You're my child, and, and sin somehow stole that away from you, but I've removed that barrier, and I now accept you as my child. You're a saint. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a saint. Saint. Saint Andrew. Saint Sam. Even Saint Mike. But we look at each other and we, we don't even see ourselves as saints, let alone, uh, you know, we're very aware of each other's inadequacies as we are of our own and of all those things that could somehow cause us to lose as it were the notion of our first love for Christ, uh, for God I'll ask a question here are you a sinner who's sometimes a saint or are you a saint who sometimes sin it, it's subtle but it's a really significant difference do you focus on your fallenness or do you focus on your redemption? <laughs> do you live out of who you are because of what Christ has done or is there always this underlying feeling of guilt and inadequacy in your life that sows into you feelings of insecurity and lack of worth? Because so oftentimes we see ourselves as, uh, as sinners and occasionally we might become saints, we do something good. When God looks at you, he sees you as Paul saw you, saw you and spoke to the early church. He said, saints of Ephesus. And everywhere he talked, he talked about the saints, those who had been set apart. Because that's what sainthood means. It means you've been set apart to God's purposes. We sometimes sin, sure. But I love the way that Martin Luther put it in one of his favourite sayings. He says, I'm simultaneously... A saint and a sinner. Sure, we're aware of our fallenness. But the Christian life is so much more about the pursuit of perfection. Oh, sorry, it is not so much about the pursuit of perfection as it is about 
resting in your connection. See, if you rest in who you are, in the connection you have with Christ, then perfection starts to outwork itself as a consequence of that. So here's the two sides of the coin. Because if you want to go deeper, I think you need to live in actually both sides. And let's come back to that a little bit this morning. Our standing or our positional place is where we rest. And if you have that foundation at your, of your Christian life, that sense of God's first love for you, then it, it brings to your world this solidarity. That's not based upon what you do, but based upon what he has done. I'm so grateful for the heritage that I had within CRC Churches International. Uh, one of the guys, uh, the, guy, the man who, who, who founded our movement was Leo Harris, who taught amazingly around this concept, which at the time was something very foreign to the ears of the church, who we are in Christ. And I'm so thankful for the, for the emphasis that was brought into my world right from the start that I, I, was, I, I was a son and a child of God based upon the merit of who Christ was and that my life was now hidden in him. There was, though, a subtlety and a danger that comes into your Christian world when that's all you hear. That side of the coin, <laughs> our standing. And so people would walk around, you'd, they'd, you'd say, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm ruling with Christ, hallelujah. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just outstandingly wonderful because of Christ in me. You know, there was never this admission of actually the foibles and failings of the Christian life. There was such a sense of the positional place that you, you never admitted your inadequacy. And so if you, if, you, if you went forward for healing and you didn't get your healing prayer, you just believed that you did. And you convinced yourself to make sure you took your glasses off because you now could see. And what kept going around saying, yes, I can. In Christ, I can see. I heard that conversation many, many times as a young guy growing up. And it somehow... <laughs> I appreciated the faith that was there and the stimulation to believe and to trust because unless you have faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need that side of the coin. We need to know who we are. But we also need the other side of the coin, which is our state. It's our relational being where we are outworking the presence and power of Christ. Where because of who I am in Christ... I now want to see my life transformed and changed into the image of his dear son. And so we're introduced in scripture to the balance of both sides of the coin. That we are both to rest in who we are in Christ. That's a firm foundation. But it's also to understand that we are to outwork our faith in fear and trembling. Not from a position of insecurity, but from a position of saying, I want to be changed more and more into the image of Christ. You see, resting is the foundation of who you are in Christ. And this morning, I would want to encourage you again to view yourself as a saint. 
to view yourself through the first love eyes of Christ, that God sent his son Jesus for you and I, for God so loved you that he gave his son for you. And that changes your world. Everything can shake. But when your foundation is built around who you are in Christ, there's something rock solid. And I I thank God for that, that teaching that even though it went over perhaps a bit imbalanced, did teach me the solidarity of who I was in Christ. Because there's all these voices fired up by demonic powers often that tell us how inadequate and weak we are and how, how, how we'll never achieve anything. And we become so conscious and, 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 and biased, as it were, to that side of the coin which is about us being drawn again, maybe not into the indulgence level of trying to do our works, but at least thinking that if by our good works we can do something, we'll be acceptable to God. When you build out of the solid foundation of who you are in Christ, you give an opportunity for you to build the into the joy of becoming more and more Christ-like. There's a huge difference between serving God because you are right with God and serving God to get right with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You serve God because you are right with God. And that's what that great song we sang earlier this morning was teaching us again, who we are in Christ. And because of what he has done, the incredible grace that was just given to me, then all I want to do is respond back into a life that becomes more and more emulating of Christ in me. The book of Colossians teaches us this so strongly, and it says this in these passages. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Set your minds in things above, not on earthly things. In other words, live in the place where you are in Christ. Let, and then it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The first part is really our, our positional statement, resting in who we are in Christ. But then the second part is the outworking of that in our lives, our positional status, our relational status, where we look at what Christ is doing to transform and change us. And we let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. Deeper is not about just self-effort. It's about allowing Holy Spirit to change and transform you. It does involve effort. But it comes out of the mighty power of the Holy Spirit inspiring you to change. Well, my anchor verse, perhaps for all my life, if you ask me what, what voice, verse do you want to pivot your life around, it's always been this one. Colossians 1 and verse 29. <laughs> to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy <laughs> Christ so powerfully works in me. Or as it says it in the King James Version, which is what I quote to myself continually, for this I strive with all the energy that he so mightily inspires within me. Do you get the two sides of the coin there? 
For this I strive. That's the side of what we do relationally and we work it out. We work it out because of our positional status of who we are in Christ. For this I strive with all the energy that he mightily inspires within me. Running deeper is about both resting and about working. They seem opposites, but they're two sides of a coin. Will you rest in who you are in Christ? And then you outwork the glory of that presence of Christ in you to change you and make you more like him. Now I realise this morning, this is not a, an easy word in a sense. There's a bit of teaching here this morning. But I just felt I needed to bring that to you. Because in the desire for you to go deeper, the temptation so oftentimes is for us to line up a whole heap of things that we need to do. The roadblocks we need to overcome, the, the things we should focus on to go deeper with God. And before we know it, it's based upon our efforts to try and get there. And we forget the other side of the coin is that we are there. And it's the two working in that amazing harmony, the two sides of the coin. That is just so foundational. When you build on that foundation, you can build an amazing house. Because stuff can shake in your world. But you build upon the foundation of who you are in Christ. And out of that, by God's grace and his presence in my life, I'm changing from one degree of glory to the next. So deeper is not just self-effort. There is self-effort involved, but it comes by the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So my question and my thoughts this morning were about what we are, and I'd ask you, what are you? And what are you becoming? We please God, as I said, not to get right with God, but because we are right with God. And Paul put it this way in Romans, great passage, Romans 8, probably the, one of the greatest chapters written in Scripture. Starts off, for there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And he goes on explaining about who we are in Christ and our position in him. And then he comes here in verses 15 to 17. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship by which you can cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you feel that this morning here? If you've never given your life to Jesus... There is no better foundation to build your world upon. And what this church is declaring is that there is a deeper way to live your life. And it's built not upon who you are, but can be built upon who Christ is in you. And you can call out to him, dear daddy, Abba Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we in fact are children of the living God. You're a child of God this morning. You're a saint. And as Paul saw everybody in that, through the, through the eyesight of how Christ saw them, how God saw them in Christ, we need to see each other like that this morning and realise that's a strong foundation for the future of this church.
based upon who Christ is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. But we don't want to just live on that side of the coin and walk around in this saintly mindset. We're all so heavenly minded, we're actually of no earthly good. And where we talk to each other in these spiritual platitudes that are from a place of rejoicing and our standing in Christ, however true that is, when you understand that, you are overwhelmed by grace. And that grace causes you to allow the works of the Holy Spirit to come forth in your life that in a supernatural and wonderful way continues to transform you more and more into the image of his dear son. That's the great joy of the Christian life. And if we are children, Paul goes on to say, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also become glorified with him. There is a moment of ultimate glorification that's going to happen for each of us, where we get changed in the twinkling of an eye, and finally immortality. And mortality gets clothed with immortality. When we're at our death knock point, where we feel like the life's gone out of us, actually life comes. And we're changed in the twinkling of an eye. And it's glor- we're glorified, as it says here. And the, the final outworking of what God always intended you and I to be becomes possible because we step into eternal life. It's an amazing story of the gospel. This morning, I, I just want to encourage you that, that the power of the Spirit is here to transform and change you. And as we explore what it means to, to go deeper, it's about what we are becoming in Christ as we outwork what we already are in him. Two sides of the coin. What we are positionally and what we are becoming transformationally. And that's what this church celebrates, I trust. It wants to give you the hope and the strength of who you are in Christ, that first love, God's love response to you, that never wavers or changes or, 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 or alters its view of you. That as the loving Father, he's reaching out towards you. However you feel you may have lost the plot, guess what? God loves you. <laughs> and when you understand that, all you want to do is to outlive a life that expresses your gratitude to a God who's accepted you as his son and daughter. Hallelujah. What we are and what we're becoming. That's the, that's the joy of this Christian life. Be rock solid in your foundations. You are in Christ, hidden in him, and you are becoming all that Christ wants you to do. I pray this time next year, if I ever get invited back, if I give another bag of gold, you never know what might happen. But will we all be the same? Or will we be more transformed and changed? Father, this morning we just come before you. We so want to be different and changed. But Lord, we realise how how the temptation is for us in our desire to want to go deeper with you, to, to get to the place where we just do all works, where we also need to rest. Two sides of the coin, who we are in Christ 
and what is Christ in us. That amazing place where we are justified, but also where we are continually being sanctified. Where we stand in our place as a son and daughter of God, based upon the free, unmerited favour of Christ. Your love for us, Jesus, that took you to the cross. But we also stand in the power of the risen Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit that continually works now within us to change and transform us. We rejoice in your goodness this morning, in Jesus' name. If there's anybody here that's never given their life to Jesus, I'd love to talk to you at the end of the service. Come out the front, I'd love to pray with you and encourage you in your walk with God because there's maybe a side of the coin that you've never lived in which is what you can be in Christ as you're born again and you become a child of God. First love can be your continued love as you stand in that sense of his great grace towards you. Please come. I'd love to pray with you. Just, uh, I feel I've got a couple of words for some people as well. And if you feel like you can come out the front afterwards, I'd love to pray for you because our time's got away. There's a woman with blonde hair sitting behind the woman with a stripy. Can you raise your hand? Would you, would you mind coming forward? I'd love to pray for you because I've sensed God's got a word for you. And this guy sitting here with a check shirt and a uh, pair of glasses around his neck, would you mind if I pray for you as well? Um, please don't feel compelled to do this but I, I just sense I, I was praying this morning I felt I had some words for some people also for this guy who's stroking his beard would you come I'd love to, love to pray for you and just behind you there's a younger guy sitting just behind Pastor David Smythe can you wave your hand to me no, no yeah that's it would you come out the front and if you've come here this morning and you felt gee I hope he's got something for me a word for me well it's not me it's God but I'd love God to speak to you and if you feel you want prayer as well please come out the front thank you Lord thank you Lord for this fine church thank you for the provision of this amazing property that you've given them Lord it's not about them it's about what you want to do through them and with them and so bless this church as it continues to move forward in you I pray that in Jesus name Amen. Time's got away from it. So I'll leave it over to you, Andrew, to wrap things up. And God bless you all. Thank you for the chance of sharing with you again this morning. Thank you again, Pastor Hands, for those foundational truths. And really love it when you come and visit us. So that's fantastic. That brings us to the end of our service this morning. So please join us for a coffee and a chat. And if you would like to come down and catch up with Hans after the service, He'll be down here, so that's fantastic. Also, there's always people in the prayer room at the back if you would like prayer about anything else. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for coming. God bless.